Hi everyone, it's Joakim Akren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. It's a new season on the Elite Game Developers Podcast. I'm so happy about this first episode. I invited Sophie Wu on my podcast. So Sophie has an extensive background in gaming and she's most recently been managing the Voodoo Berlin studio. You might have also listened to her podcast, Rise and Play, where she talks with guests about leadership in gaming. So for today's podcast with Sophie, we're gonna be talking about the topics of giving feedback and receiving feedback. So I've seen a lot of startups where the co-founders don't really talk about issues or when it comes to the point where they're sort of like had enough and then there's an ultimatum happening and somebody needs to leave like there's all sorts of like messy situations happening just because communication wasn't something that was prioritized so i believe we all can do a better job at communicating our expectations our issues that we're seeing and share feedback with the people we work with. But before we go to this discussion, here's a few words from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Zebedee. Zebedee lets you power your games with Bitcoin to add play-to-earn mechanics quickly and easily. You can now introduce tiny, lightning-fast micropayments that work natively in-game something that wasn't previously technically or financially possible. The result is higher engagement from players, more time spent in-game, and more efficient use of your marketing budget. The best part is you don't need to learn all the ins and outs of blockchain to use Zebedee or to worry about managing all the financial hurdles. Their custom SDK and API let you easily add Bitcoin rewards into the games you're working on or the ones you've already created. You're limited only by your imagination. And the polished developer dashboard gives you direct visibility into the impact that your in-game payments are having. Zebedee handles all the rest. By building infrastructure on top of the Bitcoin protocol, Zebedee is creating interoperability between developers and studios, allowing the entire games industry to share in the same open standard for sending and receiving value. Head on over to zeb.gg forward slash egd to learn more and to sign up for access. All right, we're recording. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Akim. Nice to see you again. It yeah, feels likewise. familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I think last time we had a recording together was a year and a half ago in very different circumstances. So excited to catching up today. Yeah, exactly. It's great to, to chat about stuff. And I, I, I actually reached out to you with this topic of giving feedback, receiving feedback and and utilizing feedback. So thanks so much for, for taking the time to do it. Of course. Always happy to, you know, spar on the topic of anything related to people and leadership. Yeah, this is going to be great. But like, let's kick it off with my regular question. Like for, for listeners who might not know you or don't listen to your podcast, Rise and Play, 
which everybody should definitely check out. Can you share your origin story and introduce yourself and how you got into gaming? Mm-hmm. I got into gaming. I think now it's been a... I think there's a certain number of years ago you don't count anymore. So I'd say over a decade, although I don't really know exactly when exactly I started. But I got into games via mobile games and free-to-play games when I was just starting. I think it really became bigger in 2013, 2012. So I've been in several companies that are very focused on mobile or free-to-play, such as Gameloft, Wooga, Rovio, and more recently Voodoo, building my own studio. And for my own journey in gaming, with also games becoming more a mass market product. And so I was also close to production. I've been in position as a producer, product manager, a product lead, and eventually like really leading studios, teams to create games, so less close to development. And something I realized that also led to me starting Rise and Play a year ago was really, I thought for a long time, like, the big, I would say, point of impact, impact and influence was really what kind of game do we make? How do we make the game? And the longer I stayed in organization and having been in several organizations, very different culture, one thing I saw in common was really that it came, it came down to the leadership, you know, with the vision you have about your team, the studio or your company, and then translating it into a game vision and then the people you work with and how you work. So I would say over the past three years, this focus of mine to like particularly the product of games shifted more to teams, culture, organization. And then I build like more of my experience all around that and trying to also advance the topic in the gaming industry around how we build teams. And so that's why also I appreciate any opportunity to discuss about those things like today. Nice. Yeah, it's it, there's so much, so much to unpack on on leadership and i think one of the critical things that i have noticed as i deal with a lot of founders as an investor doing the work and and sharing feedback on on like how they're doing things how they're what their output is and so like like for this discussion i wrote down a lot of different kind of questions that i share with you so these are not like in a particular order of like hey this is how you approach feedback but rather like these interesting areas regarding feedback giving that I'm going to I'm going to ask us to to talk about the and the first one I wanted to talk about this like giving feedback and and this receiving feedback thing like I've seen a lot of startup founders where the co-founders might not really be talking about issues together and I've even seen these situations where it's kind of an ultimatum that somebody needs to leave or then somebody just says that they can't continue anymore and they have to leave so what should founders do to approach this from a like a foundation standpoint of building a foundation for sharing feedback? What are your thoughts on that? I think here we, we will start from the statement or agreement that giving and receiving feedback is important when you want to keep improving your organization, how you do things, what you do. So, uh, well, sometimes we focus more on detail, like on individual level okay, I don't know, this person should give more feedback or we should give feedback. So I, I've, I've seen organizations as well saying like, we should give more feedback, we should give feedback to each other, but this is not really happening. 
and uh, you talk about foundational level. I think first it's important to define what is the feedback culture you want in your organization. And uh, when you think a bit further about feedback culture, then there's the word culture. So what kind of culture do we have in the organization that would support that we should uh, give and receive feedback constantly, whether it's the founding a team uh, in the leadership or, you know, peer-to-peer -peer or to yeah your reports or upward, any kind of feedback. So I would start uh, first really like what is the feedback code in your organization to define it? So why is it important to have a culture of feedback? So if the founders, the co-founders don't have clarity, and just on a, I would say, surface level thing, we should give feedback without being able to explain why it's not going to be very solid to really create the foundation and the system to create this uh, feedback culture. And then you can start to think, you know, of elements around uh, the system of how to build uh, habits around giving and receiving feedback at which level, uh, from who to who, in which ritual, which uh, we can talk uh, about uh, further. But back to uh, the culture as well, when we think of feedback of culture is I would look inwards again at the level of co-founders. Are they first of all giving feedback to each other so they can ask from people in their organization as well to give feedback, right? Are they walking the talk? And if not, what do they need to resolve first in their own group to set the example of what is the desired culture in their organization? So again, it, it starts really with uh, the leadership, the core of the team, uh, the founders, and uh, definition and clarity of what type of culture you want around feedback. I'm thinking about these things with the game studios, where kind of the, the activity that comes naturally to them is building games, thinking about the games, testing, pushing forward, coding, spending long days doing that. But in a way, like the ones, like this kind of culture for feedback, and following through and doing that constantly, it's not so like immediately rewarding that the founders would be doing it every day, just <laughs> naturally, you know what I mean? So how have you seen that culture actually come something that is every day to the, to the team? So again, I believe really in system and habits, right? Because uh, I, I understand when you are building your own organization, there are so many things you have to do, right? So it's easy to get distracted. It's like workout, right? You have many other reasons of not doing it. And if you don't have priorities, first of all, and the clarity of those priorities, and then setting up a system that supports those priorities. So let's imagine here that you, as a founder, have a community decided that you really want to commit to create a culture of feedback and set some habits around it. So I would look at how your daily schedule look look like and then breaking it down like what are the what are the rituals, what are the meetings, what are the slots where I would consistently give feedback every day and for this particular purpose, right? So I, I give an example here. I don't know you want to implement something like Monday morning news weekly uh, all hands meeting and this is a place where it's like open forum and people can raise their hand when it's still small right and ask questions give feedback so this is a way of receiving feedback as a co-founder you create the system or you can have one-on-one -on -one with i don't know your core team your leadership team on a regular basis or you have game review meetings 
where you also take part to it. Maybe not with the team, but maybe the leads of the team, you know, and then you give feedback. So I would think of what kind of rituals and habits you can build around the type of feedback you want to give. So you don't have to think about it. You have just to show up to the meeting, follow the rules of the process of what is this meeting about, mm. and mm. then give or receive feedback. Right. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, especially the creating the system and, and the habits for, for feedback. Mm-hmm. Like you have... You have this experience, of course, like giving hard feedback. But when when it happens that you have somebody who is like not, it doesn't feel like they're fit, like they might be a bit toxic person as well, but they're still a top performer. Like those two aspects of a person, it, it creates a conflict regarding like how do you actually deal with this kind of person if they they work in a fashion that they they really demand extremely a lot from their team like they're like this drill sergeant who put a lot of emphasis in like we need to go through a lot of pain to to get gains and there's often some some layers there which aren't maybe healthy how how would you approach giving feedback to these kind of people where it is a, a bit hard to 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 give the hard feedback yeah, it's always a thin line in those kind of situation, right? Because sometimes people have bad days and they have a bad behavior, but that doesn't mean that they have always a bad behavior. Mm. And some others, it's more so part of a character that this won't likely change. So first of all, I think it's identifying the situation. So usually when you are aware that there's a, a behavior that is toxic or impacting quite negatively others, uh, from my experience, you rarely see it yourself because I'm not in all the meetings, the conversations. So it's usually someone reporting to me what happened. And this is, of course, my take on a culture of feedback. The thing I don't want to do is intervene when I, someone comes to me and share in a very, of course, open and safe way. Hey, look, uh, I don't, I don't tolerate this behavior from that person. What they did crossed the line. I wanted to let you know. And what I encourage in this conversation first, so I, I, when I was the studio uh, lead at Voodoo, I was reflecting back on the person giving me the feedback. Is like, what is the, what is what is the behavior you wished you would have wished to see? I, I support you. I agree. This is not good. What, what would you like to do? And so they start to reflect more on what they have the power to do something, right? So the first thing I would try is not to intervene. And help more of a person having the problem, because sometimes it could be one-to-one problems, right? It's not necessarily the person doesn't have a toxic behavior, to say, with everyone in the team. So that's why I'm very cautious before acting and coming to the person and say, hey, look, someone mentioned your behavior and it escalates the situation when it's not necessarily something so big. So some of the situations that could have been resolved where the person reporting the issue, uh, they have to take the courage to also learn how to express something that crossed a line for them. So what I support other peers is it's a culture of feedback, right? It's the tools. How do you express to the other that something inf- influenced you or uh, upset uh, upsetted you, you know? Something made you angry, uncomfortable and explain and look at the behavior of the other person. So what I, I ask the people in that case, like give a feedback, give a chance for the other person to realize where they have misbehaved to you. And look at their reaction. And if you feel happy of how you resolved it together. So what is the positive part of this when you give peer-to-peer feedback, toxic behavior? Uh, Toxic is quite a strong word, but let's say 
something that went wrong. It gives a chance to the person to get better because they understand what was the impact of their action. And it, it trains the other person to give feedback. So this is the kind of culture I want to build. And sometimes it resolves by itself, no big deal. And the person corrected the behavior before it escalates. And sometimes when they gave a feedback, there's a bad negative reaction. It's like, oh, you're out of proportion. You know, you're uh, whatever, what I, I've heard. It's, it's in your head. You are sensitive. So the person goes even further in their behavior. And so this is where I get, again, the same person reporting. Look, I tried to have a conversation. This is how it went. Just so you know, and this is not something I can solve alone. It's like, fine, I understand. And so what I will start to do is to inquire a bit around with other people do you have, have you observed the same behavior and so on and when i have collected more data i can come to the conversation so i always start first not reacting first collect information and people have to be a little patient to not overreact and say okay take action and hold the person accountable for the behavior because it's never black and white right so once i have more data that there's indeed several people impacted by the behavior of one big person i come with the data and say look this is what I got from several feedback and trying to stay as close as possible to the facts without judgment. And by the way, this is learned a lot through nonviolent communication. So I learned the tools to be able to deliver this kind of feedback and give a chance as well for the person to express, realize what's happening. And then on my end, because I have the authority, of course, and the responsibility to arbitrate the culture and the behavior I want in the studio, I say, look, this is very important. This is the kind of behavior we support and these are the counter behavior we don't support. And I'm not saying in, the, in this forum that there will be consequences, but it is not the kind of people we want. And the, uh, anyone would understand between the lines what I'm saying here when I give a, a warning, a proper yeah. warning. How would you communicate this company-wide if, if it's well known that somebody hasn't been behaving like in the, the right way that that we, we talk about the company, this is good behavior. Somebody has been doing this bad behavior. Should it be communicated that they're, they're fixing things, they're working on what, how, they, how they've been acting, how they've been behaving? Because it might not be evident to everybody in a company that somebody is actually working on their behavior. It's a really tricky one. I don't... Uh... Well, actually, I have been in close situations like this because what's what's in my mind when you ask this question is like several things to consider is first you want to give the best chances to the person to get better, right? So making it as a public matter is not really helpful for the person no. trying yeah. doing the best effort to change, you know, yeah. but at the same time, you want to reassure and create a trust for the rest who have been impacted that it's taken care of, right? Yes. So. I, I, the first thing I would do is to go one-on-one -on -one with the people who have reported, like who have, are really anxious about the presence of that other person and how I resolved it and what's going to happen. So usually when those kind of ma matters are, dis are being discussed with the person who holds the issue, we make an agreement of a timeline. So we give it three months, six months, and we will check in on a monthly basis or bi-weekly basis, how it's going for you, how it's going for us, like us, like the team or the people like in general. And uh, based on those criteria, which are should be objective, so measurable. So that's something also very important. Like how do you measure good behavior and how would we translate, for example, well, the people working with you are satisfied of the collaboration with you. 
it's a harsh one, but this is very easy to measure. And then, you know, if the rest of the team has a thumb up, uh, keep keeping working with you, this is a good sign. If it's still a no, after three months, despite all the efforts, it's like, this is going to be hard to continue, even if it's not totally your fault, but it's sometimes hard to undo things, right? Yeah, got it. Uh, so it's important to communicate as well, what will be the criteria that will be used, measurable, to either say we go forward with this person or not. So then people are reassured that there's, it's not on, based on feeling. And I will say, well, I will judge and decide in three months based on, you know, kind of a dark gray area criteria to mm. say this person stay or not. So I think here it's about being transparent, how it would be assessed and decided to the ones who reported it. And also being very transparent with the person who's, uh, who said like, I'm sorry, you know, I, I will, I, I have to change this behavior. And I could imagine sometimes people being really not aware. And some would say, I, I remember some would say, I have personal issues at the moment in my life. I see like everything is going downhill in my life, including the work. I'm a, I'm seeing a therapist and I, I'm trying, right? So I, I want to get better and thanks for your patience. And I, I want to support this kind of behavior because sometimes, you know, it's not, it's not always conscious, but there's a limit of how much we can support, of course, in the workplace. So it's it has to come with results and objectives, right? Because at the end of the day, we are not here like a support retreat group where there's a problem yeah. and we are here just to hang out and support. There's by nature expected results. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it's really good. Good good thoughts. And thinking about the, the nature of feedback and it has usually been that you have an employer who is giving feedback to their employee. But now that things are getting more flat in companies, how should how should the feedback giving change? Is there, because there's usually still the founders and everybody else, it feels like, or there's the CEO and everybody else. And also founder to founder feedback when you're on the, some sort of the same level, feels like who takes the initiative? What do you see the the challenges there and what can go wrong and what should be done to make feedback mm -hmm. giving easier yeah so i'll start with upwards feedback so from employee to leadership and founders and then go on the more peer-to-peer feedback when you are like a leadership team because they are connected so Upward feedback, it's very difficult. Something I noticed in my career and that also I discussed with a lot of other leaders, even in coaching conversation, is like the higher you go in position, the fewer feedback you get. Because everyone believes that, I don't know, it, there's a strange thing with titles and, you know, you have leveled up, you have capped your learning and then you don't need feedback. You are here in the position to serve and give feedback to others, but uh, you stop your growth, which is totally untrue. And actually you are, you keep learning and you need to learn. So there's two things where others, employees believe that you shouldn't receive feedback because you have all figured out. And then you also in your own position, because you get so high, you believe that you have nothing to learn from others, especially from your reports, right? Which is a mistake. So I think first it's like recognizing you always need feedback any position. You always need to grow. It's like the same with coaching. When I hear people, like leaders saying like, oh, uh, my employees need a coach. And like, what about you? Saying, no, I don't need a coach. It's like, interesting. And also it's no, everyone, everyone always uh, needs to grow constantly. The only thing is like, it's harder to get. You have to be more proactive to get it because no one is there above you to work to for the system to build it for you to receive feedback. 
So it needs to be proactive again, where you, you need to build the system that would allow people to give feedback to you. So it could be in one-on-one where you make the space and say, you start immediately with this. Maybe people are not comfortable, but it becomes a routine until people start to share something. You ask constantly every week or every, you know, <laughs> give me your feedback in a way. And then people first won't. And then after some time, they will <laughs> stop, stop resisting and they will give. So create the system to receive feedback. And we're also reality when you are a CEO, C-level or a role of power that has the power to make or take your job, which is a reality, right? So it's, it's scary. You are an employee, you give a negative feedback to your boss who can actually remove your job right away. Even with your best attention, there's a, a dynamic of power. So how do you get feedback where people feel really safe to give feedback? You can build it more on an anonymous level where it's more giving feedback about the organization. So it's not about giving the feedback on the CEO, but of the organization, because ultimately as a CEO, you are responsible for the outcomes, right? So you can ask people to give feedback on the organization rather than you as an individual, because people will never give you feedback to your face about what you should improve. So this is another way to get it. But so to summarize more like upward feedback, know that those things won't come if you are not proactive and build proactively the system for it. And then people will never feel fully comfortable to give feedback to you because you have a power over them, like in some way, by contract, you know, by authority or hierarchy. And so how do you work around that? So that's the first part. And, and then peer-to-peer, it's kind of the same where I first get back in the habit of giving and receiving feedback. You need feedback. And I would think again of system where, for example, I think a retrospective. We ask the teams to make retrospective, reflect on how your production is going, your sprint. Why not using the same mindset? How, not, how about doing our own retrospective as the leadership team? How are things are going? What went well? What didn't go well on a more organizational level? So this is a way to start, for example, having one-on-one with each individual from the leadership team on a regular basis where you do the same practice we, you would do with employee to say, like people in the team, your reports. Treat it the same way. I actually think one of the components for me, which is interesting, like if you get to the point where feedback giving is flowing and it's happening and people are taking in the feedback, but how to follow through with reacting and making changes when you are receiving feedback. What are the things that you've seen work really well there? Mm -hmm. So, of course, every, for example, positive feedback, everyone will take it well, right? (laughs) We are talking here about, I think, particularly the negative feedback, which is first never easy to deliver and never easy to receive. So first, I think it's about, again, creating habits. So it, it's not something awkward that you receive once every six months and become so painful that you don't want to think of it ever again. But it's like, like I don't know, eating your breakfast in the morning. It's like, okay, negative feedback is part of my life. And it's uh, improvement feedback, right? In the end, it's to help me get better. Anyone in a position to give feedback, make it regular, make it consistent, make it frequent, and don't make it a big deal of it. So I think I believe a lot in creating rituals. What what it helps psychologically when first time, because there's also people coming with history and legacy where they receive negative feedback in a not so elegant way, right? It came unexpected, not delivered in a very, I would say, 
comfortable way because many managers are very uncomfortable giving negative feedback. So you feel uncomfortable receiving it as well. So first, repair the past negative experiences by recreating new experiences. So it starts first, like deliver in a proper way, a negative feedback, announce it. So in the next one-on-one, I'll start to give feedback. So the person has one week. So before you start to do it unannounced, announce how you want to give feedback to the person. So they know that when you have one-on-one with their manager, they are expected to receive feedback, positive or negative feedback. That's, and then also create the, you know, the routine around it. And the other thing is I found for the hardest feedback, especially when I had it with my leads, it was really hard conversation. It was conversation at the level, are you still motivated to do the work we're doing here? Should we continue? And I didn't feel that doing it over an online uh, Zoom call, like the typical meeting would be appropriate. So I said like, hey, uh, I like to talk about important things that are kind of kind of hard questions. I would like to go for a walk on that day and we will talk about this topic. I'm not announcing, of course, the, the, the depth of, of the conversation, but uh, the themes. So then we go in a different setting that is a bit more uh, relaxed. You know, we walk, we are in nature. It feels like a casual uh, conversation. And then I can bring up the things that are difficult. We are in a different setting where you react differently to things. So that, that has been helpful. And we can look at each other, eye, you know, eye to eye. And, and really go deep, it's like, what, what is at stake? So uh, again, delivering a negative feedback is like when especially it was conversation, like, should we continue together? I share my level of stress. I share like really looking at the person in the eyes and say, I feel lonely in this position where I have so much to do and I don't feel supported. And I feel I need to convince you to even work with me and, and do the work. I just can't do this alone. I, I need people who will help me lead whatever problem we have at the moment. I, I, I can't do this. And so they understand the, the level of pressure that is on my shoulder. Do they want to help or do they want to keep be, being the burden as well? And so for some people, it was really a, a game changer where they completely switched the mindset and it has resolved actually a lot of the situation. So again, to summarize back to this question, because there are several layers of how to give and receive feedback. I think for regular feedback, create the routine around it, announce it, that it's a place that you will give or receive feedback and make it a habit where it's no big deal, right? It's not something that would be heavy or horrible. And second, I think rule that has worked quite well for me is like always remember to give as many and, and even more positive feedback when you give also negative feedback. I'm not talking here about the sandwich, uh, feedback sandwich, but really remember to compliment and acknowledge the good work of people when you also give negative feedback so they don't just remember that they only have things to improve and feel you know bad about themselves and and at last when it comes to really hard conversation like to the level like deal breaker conversation i would be creative in finding a different setting to have a conversation and talk things really open heart mm. yeah those are really good ones what about the whole concept, like you already mentioned, having coaches, like executive coaches involved? Should everybody have them? Like, should all the leaders have coaches? <laughs> I, will, I will say with confidence, I believe that every people in a position of leadership should have a coach. And I explain why. 
I, I know it's not very popular in gaming. I think I had the, this, this debate with, you know, the guys having building better games. You had a conversation with Aaron and Ben. And so there's a whole, I don't know, stigma or resistance around the word coach. And it's it's like, it's it's making people cringe a little bit. It's like, mm, I don't want to coach. So without getting in detail about what is that about a coach, like the name and the loaded, I don't know, misconception about a coach. Yeah. What a coach as an external person to you helps is to help you to reflect on things that you will rarely be able to see yourself. I I used to think I didn't need help from anybody to tell me. I, I, I felt quite you know self-sufficient. I could see where I needed to go. I could journal by myself. I didn't need help. And actually, when I started actually to hit a wall and then I started to have conversation with coach, I realized what I didn't know. I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so what a coach does is to help you reflect on questions further just by you talking it out with someone who has an undivided attention to listen to you, which is very rare this day. You know, you can ask your partner, you can ask your friends. Nobody wants to listen to you for 60 minutes and helping you reflect on your own questions and also being objective about it. And what that's what a coach, a coach do. And they have the tools as well to trigger the questions, explore things that you can explore with yourself in a, in a conversation. So many, many, many benefits of that. And I, I had breakthrough realization, even thoughts through executive coaching conversation that I couldn't have come up with alone, I think, or it would have taken a very long time. I don't know what's your experience as well with coach. What's your opinion about it? Yeah. Like, to be honest, it's one of the best experiences in my life whenever I've been involved with somebody who's, who's a leadership coach or just coaching you in something that is really hard <laughs> that's mm. like whatever it is something that work related or other other contexts or other activities or things that that are in part of your life so yeah it always helps to have have this person who who can listen and, and reflect and and ask maybe deeper questions yes yeah it is good like do you do you feel that a coach should be regular or is it one off or ha what have you seen as patterns that work really well? Yeah. So I think there's a reality as well with having a coach. It's, it's a financial investment, right? So it, it, it costs. So either for the company or for yourself, if you, so it, again, it's, it comes back like to how much of a priority it is in a, like, like you should like what you believe in, right? You should always have a coach, somebody to help you reflect or is it like more on different phases? So I'll share here how I approach it. Although I don't really have an answer to say what are the best way. I think eventually it's whatever feels right to you because at the end of the day, you are the object of coaching. So you have to be all in in how it's done. Like for me, I do stop in between phases. So I go for six months, maybe with a coach on a particular focus. So when I had one last year was really upward management. I had, I had many struggles with upward management. I was like, really, there was a whole middle management layer that was formed at Vodou. And then uh, suddenly there were a lot of processes, conversation to, uh, to have. I, I was still in the mindset like, okay, I'm here with a studio. 
and like thinking very locally and not really working with the management and I wanted to learn grow so it was focused for six months and after I got the feedback from my manager it's like wow the really a transformation of behavior your attitude in the conversation and the, the output you have amazing and so I felt okay this chapter of work is done and then we stopped after six months and then I took a break because I didn't I didn't know what I had to work on it's like okay I will reflect on all the things I've learned and it was a break of three to six months maybe and now for example I will start a new role where it's about working with an existing team culture many things to you know unpack and also scaling and, and growing a culture a lot of unknowns and I need to talk about those things with someone so that will be for example the focus that could be for six months or a year so I work really by themes it's really awesome like I also wanted to ask you about the meetings that you're having that you've seen like work really well as places where people can share feedback like what kind of sessions are there really for a game studio like one-on-ones what else is there so one-on-ones, I think it's the basic place to try, but it's really hard, again, depending on your level of influence to make people comfortable to give you the feedback face-to-face. But again, I would remind here, make it a habit. And when people give you an actual feedback, although it's done in a clumsy way, it's maybe negative, it sounds bad, thank them. Don't try to react. Don't try to reject the feedback because then it will be the last time they give feedback, right? So make it easy for the one giving feedback. They may not always have the tools to give it, but you should be thankful for any feedback that someone gives you because it's an opportunity to make your team organization better. So again, as a as a leader, you have watch your behavior when how you receive feedback. So that's the first thing I would say in the setting of one-on-one. Then... There are many other rituals you can build to create a culture of feedback in groups, retrospective, postmortem, when something didn't go right, right away, don't do it six months after, but I would say maximum a month after it happened, postmortem, people really talk about the things openly, be helped maybe sometimes by a good either producer that has facilitator skills, you know, to help people communicate and give really direct feedback in those sessions. Something that I found very powerful as well is a strategic, strategic offsites that we used to do as well in my studio once per quarter, because you are in a different setting. And then there's some sort of magic where you are in this different time and space where people will feel more comfortable and open to share. You are, everyone is on the same level. You know, we are not there with our titles and usually it's moderated by someone external, which helps because everyone here, like wherever I'm the studio head or uh, I don't know, manager, we are all treated here equally by someone who's owning the the, the offsite, the workshop, right? So uh, then it, it makes, it puts everyone on the same level to give feedback to each other. So I found uh, this, uh, this kind of setting very efficient when it comes to really getting feedback and, and people talk more as well in a very casual way. I remember on, on strategic offsite, we were on dinner times or breaks in between workshop and like people really opening up it's like I really don't believe in this strategy I don't it's nonsense Mm. and like people talking and then I I was here by the side listening but I was saying nothing I was like okay that's really how people feel actually at the moment about those things I want to share a bit here like I was thinking immediately when you said post-mortems like you have a a team having a post-mortem of a poor launch of a game Mm -hmm. but it's very hard for a team to point the finger at a poor company strategy from this kind of post-mortem you know, mm. lens because it, it is about sort of the team looking inwards 
but they yeah. they should look at look around them as well and that that's probably goes back into the feedback culture of the whole company then yeah that's why like i said strategic offsites are really a zooming out where you look at the organization and suddenly people start to think and they would be quite vocal about the dysfunction of uh, of your organization but it's true your postmodern is so focused on what you have done yourself in the project that it may not point directly yet to the organization that's why uh, asking the right question is important like how how do you feel in the work environment how much do you understand the plan you know so something i use also with those regular pulse survey where i ask do you understand the development plan do you understand our mission what's our mission again and then i see what people answer okay no we don't remember yeah yeah <laughs> you know so you you inquire and this is a, an indirect way to get the feedback from people that they just don't understand what they're doing and why they are there for example yeah, so you, really you, yeah, you don't need actually to get it verbally from people, but you can make your own conclusion when they don't understand what they're doing, what's their priority, and you know what are even their problems. Huh? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Really good stuff. Hey, last question before before we go to the final questions. You've looked into leadership and feedback giving so much like what is some great material out there like books podcasts on feedback that you'd recommend yeah so i've been talking a lot about it and i hope it's something more a practice more known in leadership and you know in gaming it's a non-violent communication so once i shared this with a team member like what is this it's like what is this movement? I said, it's not a movement. It's, it's a framework. It's a technique. So there's a book, a very short book. And you can even have a CV framework in a one pager, but it's good to understand the foundation of it. It's a framework of communication to start from, you know, reflecting on how you feel, how a matter impacted you and deliver this feedback to another person and deliver a request. Like, I would like to ask you to do this more or less, starting from you instead of pointing fingers, blaming the others, which would trigger defensive behavior, what which happens most of the time in, in work environment. So I think that's the foundation of giving and receiving feedback, nonviolent communication, check the book. And uh, there are podcasts that I love uh, really about those topic about behavioral science, psychology. So one is behavioral grooves. So it touches really like all our bias, how we behave as humans socially to each other. And so it helps me reflect all the time, you know, what, what, What's the complexity of matters around discrimination, for example, racism? It, it's very complicated. And I think it's a danger when we start to simplifying it with specific solution. So it, it, it helps to have more depth, nuances to problems related to people. The Knowledge Project by Shane Parrish, very good. It touches a lot of different topics of, you know, of life. And one last which is not so much about the work, but has been very helpful for me in the work and communication because it's about human-to-human -human interaction. It's a couple counseling. So there are many books, any books of couple counseling, like there's an Imago Dialogue, Conscious Love book. And basically what it teaches you is more empathy. How do you communicate about something that is very loaded for you emotionally? And we have, again, those things at work. Even Esther Perel, she decided, you know, to make a whole series about where are we at work today using the same methods he uses for couple counseling for work because the emotion intensity uh, 
is is as high in work environment between co-founders and how your relationship to your startup but you can see the same dynamic in a relationship so you can learn a lot of techniques communication tools in couple counseling books nice that's a really good one it's so <laughs> you're so right <laughs> yeah i need to brush up on my couple counseling books yes <laughs> uh, so going going to the final questions do you want to share a favorite book something you'd want the listeners to definitely check out and and why would that be a good one yeah so it was a hard one for me to reflect but i I think really the one that changed a lot of my mindset during especially the pandemic was the daily stoic because for a year i really diligently read a chapter you know every day and and notice the change and the mindset and I, i loved the experience and it has it 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 became a part of me like really thinking as a stoic and a lot for leadership practices so i would highly recommend that one and actually i saw the recommendation from you on goodreads so it was actually coming from yeah. you yeah. Uh, it was a great one yeah it is a good one yeah i need to read it again because like those those things are eternal so it's good to yeah totally up. do you have a story that shaped you and how you approach your work today I was reflecting a lot about this as well, when uh, especially for co- uh, coach conversation or, or therapy to, to make a bit sense, like, okay, well, uh, who am I, Sophie? And work has been part of my life since forever. I think my, my parents are really hard worker people. They came to uh, France as immigrants and they, with nothing. So they work really hard to make a living, create, make a good life for them and for us. So when I was young as well, we, they, we built a restaurant, Vietnamese restaurant, and I was working really young in the restaurant, helping them. And a early principle of life that they taught me, and for me as well working, for example, I had to work to get my pocket money. So there was no such thing as you get money for free. I learned that you have to work and you have to work hard and a lot to get the life you want, wherever you want to go. So that became my kind of life philosophy. And why I, I enjoy working, you know, but I also take a lot of responsibility for my life based on how I, I was raised. Nice. That's really good. Good one. As the last question for the podcast, Sophie, can you can you recommend the audiences to to places where they can find you, get in contact with you, maybe listen to your podcast, read what you've written? Yeah. So definitely on Rise and Play because I share a lot of what I share today with you and also through the newsletter, what I read, what inspires me, you know, so I share a lot of those references with the platform and also on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is the best way as well to contact me. But like I said, I update regularly the content on Rise and Play and anything that I find interesting, I will I share usually in time. Got it. Hey, Sophie, this was so much fun. There's so, so many things to talk about. And, and yeah, just to mention, you have the two master classes as well on your website, the free video series. So I would heavily, highly want everybody to check them out as well. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for also supporting the content. And I feel like we are working together to support the journey you know, of future founders at different stages of life. So I'm super happy to be part of the podcast today. Thanks. Yeah feel the same thanks sophie have a good day see you yeah take care joachim bye bye thanks again to my guests for joining this show if you have time please go and sign up to a newsletter at elitegamedevelopers.com newsletter 
since every Friday morning I send out a piece on gaming startups, what I've experienced recently as an investor, things that I'm seeing and thinking about. I really want to share a lot to you guys. So if you have time, please subscribe to the newsletter. That would be awesome. And I'll see you next week on the podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.